When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to More Than Amused Podcast, a podcast all about women and the arts, hosted by Stani and Sadie. Join us as we explore what it's like being a female artist, examine modern day problems, and educate ourselves and others on important and forgotten female artists of the past. Welcome back, everyone, to another mm-hmm. week of More Than Amuse. I'm Sadie. And I'm Stani. And we're, we're happy you're here. We are. We're really happy. Um, it's been nice starting out this new year and having listeners and new episodes. Mm-hmm. And we're really excited about this one today, too. Um, yes. It's actually with a female producer. Yes. Her name is Becky Willard. Um, I actually met her because I'm going to be working on a song with her here really soon that I'm very excited about. And we wanted to get someone this month that was music. Mm-hmm. something to do with the music industry and so yeah I was working with her and it was absolutely perfect and I think she told she talks about her personal story um kind of how she got into music production but then also just kind of shed some light on what it's like being a music producer and also a woman mm-hmm. and I think we had a really good conversation yeah she has a really cool story mm-hmm. and even the way that um she approaches things and stuff that she talked about it was really interesting Um, especially for me as someone who's kind of not really in music production I don't know much about it (laughs) it was really interesting to hear her talk about all of that and um, everything so yeah yeah especially with there's not a lot of female producers which Mm -hmm. we talked about this a little bit in the episode Um, I think you said it was like what less than five percent yeah I think like five six percent like a single digit number yeah so it's really cool that we got to talk to her and she's at Vox Fox 2, so yep. V-O-X-F-O-X 2 on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And then she also shares her email in the episode two and um, encouraged anyone who wanted to reach out to her to do that. And we would definitely encourage you to do that. She left the opportunity open, so take it. Yeah, if you're a singer-songwriter who's listening or interested in music, she seems to really know her stuff. She's been working with artists for years and years and... Yeah, she's she's a really great person. So mm-hmm. check her out. Definitely. And enjoy the episode. Enjoy the episode. Well, thank you so much for like being willing to be interviewed with us today. Mm-hmm. We wanted to get someone who is like in the music world. And then I was like, wait a minute. I'm like literally working with someone right now that I think would be perfect for this. So thank you. You bet. <laughs> thank you. So I guess just starting out like, I mean, I know a little bit about you, but do you want to just give like a really brief introduction to maybe like who you are and what you do? And then, yeah, we can just kind of go from there. Okay, I'll, I'll try to make it brief. Yeah, I guess, or however, whatever you want to include. <laughs> Great. <laughs> right now, um, I'm a, a full-time music producer and recording engineer. Um, my journey started as I wanted to be a singer-songwriter, and mm-hmm. over the years, I was led to 
you know, working in the studio, and I loved it so much, and the creative process that can take place in the studio, and all the tools that we have at our disposal. I just yeah. fell in love with that process, and so that's what led me here. And now I work with a lot of kind of a variety of artists, um, some that really have career goals, and others that are just interested in, you know, recording a song here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm trying to focus more on helping those career-minded artists build their music careers and not just make the music anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's kind of a new direction that I'm going with my business. But it's all been really evolutionary. I think that it's that way with all creatives. We think we're going this way Mm -hmm. and life and things just take us in totally different directions so that's yes kind of where I feel like I am now like wow even five years ago I didn't see myself heading the direction I'm in right now so that's it do you still write music and perform as well or um I don't do much performing um I do sing with a well-known uh choir although we're not rehearsing and performing right now but the Tabernacle Choir mm-hmm. at Temple Square, formerly known oh, yeah. as Mormon Tabernacle mm-hmm. Choir. I got in um, the beginning of 2019. And so anyway, pandemic came in yeah. March of 2020. We have not had any rehearsals or performances. Wow. Then. But um, so that's the only performing I do now. And uh, but songwriting I'm doing all the time, usually with artists that I'm producing. Um, i once in a while, we'll try and write something for my own pleasure, but that <laughs> doesn't happen too often. Yeah. So you said that you started out as a singer-songwriter. So I guess maybe give like the background more of like, how did you even get into music in the first place? Like, did you just grow up singing? Did you like go to college for music or yeah, I guess what is like the preliminary before where you're even at now? Yeah, um, I I have always been... Um, a creative singer yeah when I was very young so this was a long time ago so before YouTube and the <laughs> internet <laughs> I had a tape recorder and I would carry it around with me and I would just make up songs all day long mm-hmm. and um you know from the time I was probably four or five that was happening oh. and then when I became a little older and there was a second tape recorder in, in our house I learned that I could sing along with myself and record singing along with myself and bounce the tapes back and forth. And I started creating like harmonies and, (laughs) and use a little keyboard for a beat. And, um, you know, I, I don't know, there weren't many other teenagers that were interested. I tried (laughs) to get my friends actually to do it with me and they're, they're like, no, let's go to the mall. (laughs) You're like, no, this is so much cooler. (laughs) It was so much fun. I just loved the, that um, process of, it was almost like I wanted to write songs just so that I could do the harmonies. Yeah. That kind of became my big passion was um, creating the harmonies for songs. And then, so when I was, you know, graduated from high school and I was looking at going into college, I, this was 1989. And if you were going into music, you only had a couple of options. Yeah. There was no commercial music program mm-hmm. or let's you know women can be producers or anyone could be producers really I just didn't even know that mm-hmm. that was a career choice um it was performance and it was either musical theater or classical in 
at a college level, or you had to go into education. And quite honestly, my voice teacher, when I was a freshman in college, told me, well, you're not good enough for performance, so you may as well go into education. And I was like, oh, thanks. Kind of broke Ouch. But, um, you know, she was right. It was true. I, I, I really worked hard to get good at a, as a singer and mm-hmm. um, loved that. And I got pretty darn good. But if you're looking at singing professionally in the classical world, it's like anything if you're going to be a professional singer yeah. on Broadway or in, you have to be so next level and you have to be intensely passionate about that path. And I just wasn't mm-hmm. passionate about being an opera singer. And I definitely yeah. didn't want to do musical theater. I mean, I I loved it in high school, but it was not something I saw myself trying to do as an adult. Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, I guess I'll just be a choir teacher. (laughs) That was kind of the only option. (laughs) And I love that I went that direction because part of that track was I had to start teaching voice lessons. And um, so I started teaching voice lessons as a, I think it was a sophomore. So it was like 1990. Mm -hmm. And I have not stopped. I've been teaching private voice ever since and love it and that was really what opened the career path that I'm in now was because I started working with vocalists on a regular basis yeah just their voices but then brought my songwriting skills and creativity into Mm -hmm. those sessions with um, singers that were interested in songwriting so it just blossomed into what it is today wow that's really cool it's a long story no but (laughs) it's incredible it's kind of cool how it's like, like, cause what you're describing that you did as a teenager with like stacking vocals, like in a way that that's vocal production, you know, yeah. like, well, that is producing. So yeah. it's just, you didn't even know it at the time that that's what you were doing and that's what you would end up doing. So it's like cool yeah. how, yeah. And also too, even like that, um, teacher, you know, she was maybe a little, <laughs> not even me. Well, I can say she's mean I I don't know her (laughs) saying like you're not good enough so you should do education like that might have been like that would have hurt my feelings so much but then now here you are and like you were able to turn that into what you're doing now so yeah you know it's um it's funny you say that because I am a pretty sensitive person but I also (laughs) really really value honest feedback especially with music and creativity it's so Especially I see it with, you know, social media the way it is now where, you know, people are going like, oh, my gosh, you're amazing to somebody who's not. And it's (laughs) like, "Ah, am I, why are we doing that? Why are we fostering mediocrity, not just mediocrity, but maybe someone who really needs to just not be on social media as a singer or, Mm. you know, and say I'm a singer when they really just need to go to a teacher and yeah. work. And no, that's a really good point. Yeah. It undervalues the people who are really great and mm-hmm. have worked really hard. It really undervalues that um, that recognition. Yeah. That's a totally different tangent. No, but I like that tangent because you're absolutely right. I think I mean, I see that too. And I like, don't get frustrated. Don't be like Miss Miss Elite Singer who thinks she's so good. But there's a little bit of that like, oh man, like I've put so much work and time Mm -hmm. into my craft. And 
So I get it. Yeah. I, I've been frustrated. <laughs> about this no, I can totally relate to that too. As like a visual artist, how frustrating it is to see like sometimes people just get praised for things and it's like, I've been training for years. Like, doesn't that count for anything? Yeah. yeah. And the, like the general eye may not, or in our, you know, in the singer mm-hmm. case, the general ear, maybe they don't really realize mm-hmm. the difference between, um, you know, yeah. someone who's really, really polished and someone who's raw. And, you know, I've, I've seen that too from the music production standpoint even uh, in my own work, where something I thought was great five years ago, I listen to now, and I'm like, how did I think that passed? <laughs> yeah. We're all learning and growing, of but course. I do think that the general, that's, that's kind of the point, is that in social media, we are blasting out our creations to mm-hmm. the masses, and there are haters out there that are mean, even to really talented people. Yeah. And then there's the opposite. There's the people who are mediocre who are getting praised. So we just have to, we have to have um, our own brain mm-hmm. acclimated to where we're supposed to be, where we want to be. Yeah. And we need to have good coaches and mentors who can be honest with us and say, you're not quite there yet. Or mm-hmm. that was amazing. You know, that yeah. we can people that we can really trust to give us that feedback. No, I I like that. And I think too, because I mean, obviously like beginners, like they should be able to share if they want to. And, you know, like obviously it's everything that, you know, I just said about any frustration would never be meant to discourage anyone from sharing. So I think that's just like a really good point of like maybe just like being self-aware about where you are, Mm -hmm. but then also having a mentor or having people in your life that could tell you no you should keep working on this because we're always learning and like you said like five years from now I'm sure I'm going to look at the songs I'm writing now that I think are amazing and be like okay that was cute (laughs) you know (laughs) yeah but at the same time you know it's it's just good I think yeah you said to have those people in your life that you know will be honest with you Mm -hmm. and it and it's also good to be kind to ourselves yes to recognize that we are all works in progress continually until Mm -hmm. we die until we die yes (laughs) so true okay well I'm so like I think it's so cool that you produce because I am a little baby just now learning how to produce I love that yes so how did you start learning like was it a lot of YouTube tutorials or did you have someone as a teacher like how did you actually dive into the producing process rather than teaching So I I laughed when you said the YouTube because I actually did start learning how to produce before YouTube. Oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) I I actually, um, it may have already been happening, but I wasn't really aware of YouTube. Um, Because I was teaching voice, I, um, you know, was working with a lot of the singers on their songs Mm -hmm. and... um, I was working with a producer on a regular basis on co-writing where I mm-hmm. he was doing all the guitar, bass and drums and instrumentation mm-hmm. and I was writing lyrics and melody and we were um, trying to churn out as many songs as we could for things like um, sync placements, which is yeah. all the music in, in TV and film that you hear. Someone had to write that music and produce mm-hmm. it. And he was very accomplished as a, a producer and a musician but didn't write lyrics and melodies. So together we were able to create some um, 
songs that we got in some TV shows and movies. And then we also started producing artists together where I was working with the vocalists on, you know, the songwriting and their vocals. And some of those artists we were working with were, you know, started out as students where I um, was like, hey, this song is a hit song. Let's work on it. And I started putting together rather slowly these basic demos so that we could present it to the pro the producer and say, mm -hmm. this is the general feel that we want the song to sound like or the general direction. And then he would take the demos and then fully produce them. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how it started. And yeah, no YouTube help <laughs> at all. Um, it was probably about five years ago where I was like, okay, I need to start zeroing in on some specific skills mm -hmm. and um, with mixing specifically because producing is, um, you know, the actual arrangement of the instruments and the parts. Mm -hmm. And then there's getting all those parts to sound balanced. Yeah. And so even if the arrangement is good, which that takes years to get good at, <laughs> then you've got to figure out how to get everything to sound balanced and full and punchy and smooth. Yeah. And all of that takes years. And so I did start watching videos about specific mm -hmm. techniques with mixing. Mm -hmm. But I also found that to be really pretty general. Yeah. And if so, again, I I went to a mentor <laughs> and no good. Um, yeah. Paid someone, you know, a good hourly rate because they're worth it. They mix hit records mm -hmm. um, for just a couple of hours with them and just learned a few different mindset shifts, different ways to think about things, different way to approach things. And that was just a few years ago. And it still, it still impacts how I work. And the, I feel like everything I did before that was not quite where I'm at mm -hmm. now. So it's, again, I think getting that personalized one-on-one -on -one feedback and instruction Mm -hmm. um, but also that producer that I worked with when I was first getting started, I watched him more than he taught me. I watched him and mm -hmm. learned so much from just standing over his shoulder hours and hours and hours and hours. I watched. So that yeah. was very helpful. Yeah, that is cool. I mean, that would make sense. Mm -hmm. You get to see that firsthand for years. Just yeah. Nightly just pick up on things. Yeah, that's a really cool way to learn, too. Just, like, observing someone who's, like, really honed in on their craft. Like, I think sometimes we don't really seek out, like, a mentor, especially now in the digital age of the Internet, when you can Google everything. Like, it's hard to seek out a physical person. But I really like that because I think there's way more value in finding someone who knows what they're doing and observing what they're doing. But the people you're producing... So you had the students already and they just kind of turned like, do you still teach voice or do you just primarily produce or like, and also too, like, I guess that's so nice. You like had a whole little audience almost or a whole, what's the word? Like a talent pool. A talent pool. There <laughs> yeah. we go. Yeah. <laughs> it, it really did start out that way where I wasn't looking for artists to produce. Yeah. I was at a vocal studio and mm -hmm. people would come to me and Either they'd blow me away, right? You know, I'd be like, oh my gosh, you need to be making albums. Yeah. Or 
um, I'd be working with them for a while and then we'd write a song and then it was like, wow, this is great. We need to go to producer and yeah. uh, mm-hmm. put this together. So um, at this point, I, I am not taking any just vocal students and I haven't yeah. for probably a couple of years. I do have mm-hmm. a couple because they've been with me for Forever. a few years. I do, um, I do take on um, young singer-songwriter students. These mm-hmm. are usually they're you know young teens, and mm-hmm. they have potential, they have talent, and they want to, at some point, you know, pursue a real career in music. Mm-hmm. But they need they need mentorship. They need guidance. Yeah. They need to mm-hmm. learn how to write good songs and how to sing them and how to record them. And so we just have weekly sessions where we're just one week we might be working on the lyrics and melody and then another week we're finalizing we're working on the actual track production mm-hmm. another week we're recording and then sometimes they watch me edit their vocals which if anyone's been through that process whew, you learn a lot about yourself as a singer <laughs> yes you watch somebody fix every little detail Thing. of your voice and you're like ah can I just re-sing it? <laughs> I know. So, um, yeah, that they learn a lot about the process of being an artist, which mm-hmm. involves all of that, the writing, the recording, the singing, the preparing for performance, um, and then the production side of it as well. So we yeah. go through all of that together. I feel like that would be so just invaluable, though, especially as a teenager, you know, mm-hmm. to be like, oh, if you're in that, you know, mindset of like, oh, I think I want to go into music. To be able to, like, see that and, like, actually yeah. see a song come together, I can, like, only imagine, like, yeah, yeah that'd be so good. <laughs> I always think that. I always think, man, when I was your age, I would have loved to have had. Yeah, a, that's what I'm just thinking. <laughs> this scenario right here, yeah. So mm-hmm. I part of me feels this, like, excitement when I have these young students with me because I completely relate with them. Yeah. I remember being really super frustrated when I was probably like 13 I wanted to I wanted to be a songwriter I wanted to create Mm -hmm. and my dad was like your songs aren't ready they're not right I mean the option of actually finding someone to help me was not even an option yeah so and I don't know if that's because you just didn't hear about that happening Mm -hmm. or I know I didn't think I thought it was just well there's no one to help you so Mm -hmm. so figure it out (laughs) yeah and I remember feeling like really frustrated so if I had had someone like me um at that age I don't know it's hard to say what how how would that have changed my life Mm -hmm. I always feel that when I'm working with my students is like this is really changing their life Mm -hmm. in hopefully really great ways that that's great motivation for me too that's really cool I feel like I think it's cool because I I can kind of relate to that I mean I did have some experiences as a teenager with people where I did learn a lot um but I think that's like so cool of like being able to recognize like this is what I was missing so how can I provide that because I've definitely related to that thing of being like I don't know how I don't know where to go I don't know where to start especially when I was younger because no one else in my family is really a music person. I was the only one. I'm still the only one who even has any desire, any love for it. So 
And yeah, I think that's just really cool. (laughs) Okay, so kind of switching gears a little bit. So, you know, this is a podcast where we talk a lot about women in the arts. So I wanted to ask if you have any like specific experience as a woman producer. I mean, statistically, there are more male producers rather than women. Mm -hmm. Do you have any like experiences as that or any thoughts on that? Or yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, how you will. It's like a huge gap, a huge gap. Like there's like, oh, I can't even remember what it is. It's like five or six percent. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's like single digit number. Yeah, it's a very low percentage. And um, I've had discussions about this with people before because they they've asked, you know, do you feel like you're discriminated against? Yeah. The, the answer is I've never felt discriminated against. Um, I don't ever feel like people don't hire me because I'm a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, what I feel has impacted me is the social norm that I grew up in. You just, there was no visibility of women in a studio, none. Mm-hmm. And I think now a lot of the companies that like, like I get, you know, recording magazine in the mail or my Sweetwater catalog. I get those. Mm-hmm. And I actually, about a year ago, I totally shouted out Sweetwater in a negative way because I went through their whole catalog and there was like only a couple of women and they were in both pictures in the studio, like in the booth recording the guitar, the vocals. Mm-hmm. There was not a single shot of a woman at the board or, you know, working with an artist or anything like that, or playing the drums even, there were, yeah. or the guitar, like electric guitar. There's such a, um, there's so many like norms that no one is telling us we can't, but we mm-hmm. see it all around us. And it comes with everything. Like, you know, you're supposed to be raising a family. You're supposed to be the one cooking dinner every night. You're supposed to be the one raising your children. Um, especially in my generation, you know, I graduated in 1989, so Mm -hmm. that was a long time ago and definitely things are changing and have changed, Mm -hmm. but I would say my biggest enemy was my own brain telling me that I wasn't really where I was supposed to be for no other reason than I just hadn't seen it. And once I started becoming more vocal about the fact that I was a producer that was part Mm -hmm. of it was like I actually had to call myself a producer and that was hard even though I was doing it I was like okay yeah I guess I'm a producer um once I started calling myself a female producer a woman producer and joining different um social media groups Mm -hmm. then I saw a bunch of them and there's all different kinds yeah. They're all different ages. And I thought, oh, we're we're not alone in this. And I really think that the key is visibility and just making sure that the young kids that are being raised right now, they're mm-hmm. shown women in the studio. They're shown female producers. I um just released a song with this adorable cute artist. She's only 12, and she has been like she's in some pretty good um, projects musically for how young she is. She's been involved in them for a few years and has recorded in a variety of situations and in different studios. Well, her mom told me that she was so just excited about working with me because she had never worked with a woman in the studio. 
And not just that, but she felt like I was her favorite to work with in the studio. And part of that is my female nature, mm-hmm. which is to be nurturing, encouraging, and um, and to help her be creative in the studio. She really had never experienced that before. And all of those feminine qualities, maybe not, we don't all have the same, you know, just because we're a woman, we're this. Um, but for me, I'm definitely a nurturing person. And um, another thing that I had to learn to do was to, instead of be embarrassed about these qualities that I had that made me very feminine, um, that's part of my strength. Mm-hmm. And so embracing the strengths that I had in the studio or that I have in the studio and in working with artists um, is has been, it's all been in my own court. It's all been yeah. up to me to make the declaration that, yes, I'm a producer and just anybody can do it. If you've mm-hmm. got the brain that loves putting together technology and creativity at the same time, mm-hmm. then it doesn't matter what gender you are, you can do it. So yeah. that's kind of been my you know, my uh, championing uh, words these days. I really, yeah, mm-hmm. that was great. And I think it's so cool, like you said, that like even if in the catalog, right, like there wasn't the visibility. In the social media groups, there were. Like they are there. And I think, mm-hmm. like, because I'm sure it's like, at first before you realize that, it's like I'm the only one, like there's no one out there, you know, but there really are so many that I think is so cool. And and then going back to like the feminine traits, like I've definitely had those moments where I'm like, I definitely have a very feminine energy. Like <laughs> I'm very cutesy. I love cutesy things and I'm very like nice and kind of soft-spoken. And I've had these like things of I'm like, ugh, but that's not like the things that you stereotypically think about in a successful person, you know, of like strong-willed. I mean, I am very strong-willed, but you know what I mean? Like I can't <laughs> think of like so there's certain words um where I'm not a very demanding person or, you know, there's just certain things I need to work on. But at the same time, I'm like, no, like I can still be successful while still being those things about me that are feminine. Definitely. I think it's like changing how we look at successful people instead of being Mm -hmm. like, oh, like all of the male traits are successful and all of the female ones are detriments. It's realizing like, no, there's strength in like being more nurturing and like soft spoken and being more flexible and helping people in that way. Like there's going to be people who come to you because you have those things that some other people don't have. I I have definitely had people tell me that um, the reason why they love working with me, because there's a lot of really talented people in our community that they could go to and get Mm -hmm. at least as good quality, maybe better, who knows, Mm -hmm. but they will um, continue to work with me because they know that I'm a huge people pleaser. Okay, negative, I've been, I've gone to counseling for it, (laughs) always been bad in my relationships, (laughs) but as a producer, oh my gosh, you know, I am not happy until they're happy. And they, mm-hmm. they really love that because they'll know, they know that I'll just, I'll just work until it's right. And so that's a positive quality that maybe mm-hmm. could be seen as a weakness. <laughs> no, I oh, definitely I relate that. to that as well. <laughs> People, person, pleaser over here. Right. So, yep. <laughs> But hey, if it's helping more people come back to you over and over again, apparently it's not that much of a weakness anymore. There you go. 
<laughs> we're turning our weaknesses into strength. That's, that's what we're doing. Yep. I love that's that. awesome. I guess one kind of random question, but what advice would you give to someone who is like starting out with producing or maybe who is going to work with a producer for the first time? Those are kind of different um, approaches, but mm-hmm. I think in both cases, it's imperative to find uh, a mentor, someone that you really can trust mm-hmm. to be honest with you. Um, for uh, If someone's interested in producing, I would say don't do it alone, but you do have to, I think there's a lot of hands-on you just have to do, mm-hmm. but having someone to give you some direction in a few um, specific and key areas that's mm-hmm. going to be critical. If you're an artist going to work with a producer, um, I would say same thing. Finding someone that you trust and, well, that, that one's such a loaded question because I've, I've had a lot of people who uh, come to me and they're like, okay, I've got a song written. I'm ready to go, you know, have you help me put it together. Um, they don't give much thought to anything else except the song is ready. Mm-hmm. And I, I really, this is one of the things I've been shifting my business model. I've been a, an order taker producer for a long time, which is like if someone says I've written a song, produce it. I'm like, okay, here we go. Um, I really hate watching artists release a song and then feel like they just wasted their money because mm-hmm. it's not doing anything. Mm-hmm. That is the nature of our music business right now, that they, you can't just throw something into the universe and expect people to like it and expect viral, viral growth and streams to just magically appear. Mm-hmm. You need to be building a business and creating music and content that you release on a regular steady basis that will build over time. So just doing one song with a producer might be a really great experience and a great learning experience. And you can say, okay, now I have a song on Spotify, but then what, what happens next? You've got to continue that growth. And so my advice actually to artists would be don't jump the gun. (laughs) Don't think, okay, I'm ready to do this music thing because I have a song take a step back and say, okay, what do I actually want? What is, what is my future five years from now? What do I want that to look like? And then talk to someone like me or, a, you know, a mentor in the music business that can tell you, you want to get here in five years, let's create a plan. Let's make a six month plan, a 12 month plan, a five year plan and get yeah. you where you want to be. But it's not going to just happen with one song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's the absolute 100% truth. Yeah. I I think especially with like the internet, you know, and I think the viral culture, I think there's sometimes where I've been guilty of thinking that where I'm like, I'll just release one really good song and it, people will just find it because I think we see that. Well, we, we think we see that, right? We think we see the overnight successes and, and even like on TikTok, there are videos that just randomly go so viral. And so we're like, oh, well, if that's me, then, then I'll be fine. Which is like, yeah, that happens to some people, but Mm -hmm. what we don't see behind the scenes is the hours and hours and hours of work or the, 
you know, all the time they've actually been putting into it and all the crappy releases that might have been deleted. Or, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I think that's a, a good reminder that a good career is steady and you also need to have a plan. Yeah. And like what happens if you do have something that just all of a sudden goes viral on mm-hmm. TikTok, which an artist I, I work with had this happen. Um, those the views stop, they slow down. Mm-hmm. If you mm-hmm. are not continually nurturing that the relationships with the people online and yeah. continually giving them content of some sort, then they will fade away and they'll forget about you. Same so that's yeah. another thing. It's like, even if you do have something, just go crazy. Have to really find the people who are after your music, who are mm-hmm. in love with your music. And they're the ones that are going to pay $20 to watch you perform on a Zoom concert. You know, they're finding the your super fans is always going to be the goal because they will be with you even after all the other TikToker watchers are gone. Yeah. They will stick with you. Totally. I love that. Yeah. Good reminder. I feel like I just I'm like, yes, I needed that. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I needed that reminder. So I I know it's hard. All right, cool. Well, no, I really, yeah, I really love that. Um, I guess, yeah, just a couple more questions. So who's someone that's been a big inspiration for you, whether professionally or personally in your own life? Oh, my gosh. Or that is such however, a good question. I, I should just be able to answer that. No, it's a hard one. It always ends up being harder than you think it will be. <laughs> I know. Um, well, okay, not to sound cliche, but... Um, so one of probably the biggest influence for me when I was growing up was Michael Jackson, because this was, mm-hmm. I was a teenager in the eighties. I watched the first moonwalk live on TV. You know what I mean? Like now we can watch it on YouTube, but I watched it live and we had never seen anything like it. And That's he blew amazing. our minds. And when the thriller album came out, um, I think I was 11 and I loved that album so much that I went back and bought all these old Michael Jackson releases off the wall and everything he did when he was a kid and I became consumed with the music now it was everything it wasn't just his voice and I my first memory of falling in love with the sound of audio was a song from when he was a little kid he sang the song Ben which was the theme song from a movie, I think. And I was listening with my headphones, with my little Walkman, and I heard this, like, the acoustic guitar. It was just the acoustic guitar by itself, and this warm reverb just filled the entire space of my head. And I got chills, and I got tears. And I mean, I was, like, 12 years old, and I was overcome because of the sound of that guitar. And I had never experienced that before. So... When I, when I think about the most influential um, person, artist in me as a creator, I would say it all goes back to Michael Jackson, but all of the people that worked in his team, in his camp, Quincy Jones, the producers, the background singers, the, the musicians. My husband is a drummer and has been taking lessons and he's been studying with, you know, watching videos of the people who played Billie Jean drums, which is one of my very, very favorite grooves of all time. And those people that were surrounding Michael and 
the art that they created, I think, influenced our culture and myself personally more than anything else or anyone else. So um, I would say, yeah, all goes back to Michael. <laughs> I mean, he's the king of pop, so, you know, yeah. that's fair. <laughs> yep. <laughs> And no, I think that's cool too of like thinking about it wasn't even just him. It was all the amazing musicians that were surrounding mm-hmm. him and like working yeah. on it together. Because yes. music is such a community collaborative thing that I like that shout out for everyone else. Good reminder that mm-hmm. it's also all the musicians surrounding the star that makes yeah. it good music. Yeah. I, I mean, there's a lot of like, I think John Bellion is one of the most brilliant oh, yeah. artists to come around in a long time. Um, but he's not like a, just a lone wolf, you know, he's working with all kinds of people. So it, that is a good reminder to all of us that by ourselves, yeah, sure. We can be creative, but think about how much more our creativity can expand if we're around different energies and and we allow them into our space. Yeah, absolutely. more, More vulnerable. I think in a lot of ways you can, you can allow yourself to be, um, more vulnerable when you're with other creative vulnerable yeah. people. <laughs> mm-hmm. It takes that takes a lot of practice, I think, too. Yes, it to does. Be vulnerable around other people, for sure. But How? yeah, it's hard to remember sometimes as someone who's outside of the music world a little bit that it's an entire team. Because when it comes down to just like one name on the record or whatever, yeah. you don't think about it. But it's like, oh yeah, like <laughs> there's a whole group of people there helping every bit along the way. So yes, yeah, I like that a lot. Where can everyone find you? Like, <laughs> yeah, if they want to reach out, um, I'm right now transitioning my website, so <laughs> I'll, I'm going to give you my email address because that will stay the same. Um, it's <laughs> Vox Fox Productions. And you can email me at voxfox2, V-O-X-F-O-X-2 at gmail.com. And I would just love to hear from anybody, anybody that has questions or wants some advice. I'm happy to help. Yeah. And then on Instagram, you're just voxfox2. And that will stay the same, right? Voxfox2, yes. Cool. Cool. And also following you on Instagram is fun, too, because... You also, I feel like you're very active and like you have like blog posts and you have a lot of like free material that's very educational. So if anyone wants to learn more about vocal producing, they can just follow your Instagram and you share so much stuff. And also you get to see all the fun projects you work on, which is That's right. That's awesome. (laughs) Thanks, Sadie. Yeah, you're welcome. I like following. I've been literally, I've been probably following you on Instagram probably for like four or five years. Well, I don't know. It's been years at this point. So like, that's crazy. Big fan of what you're doing. Thanks so much, Sadie. I appreciate that. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. Um, But thank you again um, for talking with us. I, like I said, we... I, I felt like I had found the perfect person to talk with us about music. So I, yeah, I really appreciate you taking this time this morning and chatting so with us. To help. Thanks for having me. She's awesome. I know. I think she's way awesome. Sorry. I wasn't super vocal. I was like, no. I don't know a whole lot about her. I, I don't know bad. a whole lot about music. <laughs> I felt bad. I was like, I hope Stani doesn't feel like I'm monopolizing, but yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. Like when we have a graphic designer, I know I'm just going to mm-hmm. be like nicely <laughs> listening. So <laughs> Yeah, no, I think it'll be, like, a good balance of, like, with interviews. Like, obviously, you'll take the lead in the music ones because it wouldn't make any sense for me to be like, so. (laughs) 
<laughs> Tell me about this. <laughs> but no, I feel like we had a good discussion still. I feel we did and too. It like went well. I like all of her insight, especially yeah. like with um, visibility and things like I that. I know. Talking about feminine traits or stereotypically feminine traits, mm-hmm. I feel like that's super important. So yeah, I loved no, it. it reminded me of like yesterday at work. We had a meeting about how Westernized culture is kind of toxic in the idea of like you have to have no weaknesses like everything that you have needs to eventually be made a strength and we talked about how sometimes it's okay to just have weaknesses like kind of like the resignations that we almost talked about where it's like you know what I'm never gonna be a morning person that's okay like Mm -hmm. it's okay like I need to let that go I don't have to like overcome that or conquer it like I I can can just just like be that be that yeah yeah and I think especially with like I feel like there's so much like culture of like entrepreneurial entrepreneurial whatever that word is like you wake up at 5 a.m every in the morning and start your morning with a cold shower and it's like no like I'm gonna take a hot gallon of water and do like a bunch of exercise minutes of meditation meditation. (laughs) like listen Uh, I'm not gonna do that ever I know. And it's like frustrating when you see so many like influencers and stuff that are popular online doing that. And it's like, okay, but there's regular people out there who have jobs. Yeah. (laughs) That have to wake up and go to work. (laughs) Like they can't exercise for two hours every morning and then cook a full meal and like a beautiful lunch that has all the right balance of fruits and vegetables and yeah. exactly like sometimes I wish people were a little bit more realistic real yeah, yeah. <laughs> and also like not like contrived realness of like no, I hate this that is too. me being real with no makeup it's like yeah with your eyelash extensions and microbladed my eyebrows <laughs> like like you without makeup is a very different story than me without makeup so let's recognize that and like you're a thousand dollar skincare that you do every day yeah it drives me or like your monthly facials like Mm -hmm. let's just take a step back and recognize that or they're like I've struggled with my health my whole life and now I'm in such a good place and it's like yeah, but you can afford to buy like a full mm. meal of only vegetables. Do you know how expensive that is? Yeah. Like, <laughs> like ma'am, I'm living off, like, I live off of pasta and spaghetti and ramen yeah. noodles because it's cheap and you know, I don't have to do that. And you know what? And we deal with it and it works. <laughs> yeah, it works. Yeah. I don't know. There's a lot of like, I think it's extremely toxic, kind of a lot of the trends that are happening right now online. So it was kind of refreshing to hear talk about like feminine traits that are positive, positive. Yeah. Yeah. And looking at them that way and being like, oh, people pleaser. But that's why people like working with me. Like I thought Mm -hmm. that was kind of a cool thing. That's like I don't give up until they're satisfied. That's a really good business thing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that was cool. Yeah. And I think especially too, where if she is getting like, younger artists like who are 12 years old like of course they're gonna really resonate with a person who is very nurturing and encouraging like of course like a 12 year old is gonna really want that and I also I feel like Mm -hmm. as a parent like if you're gonna have to take your pick of who's gonna produce your child you're gonna want to go with the person who's really encouraging and Mm -hmm. making your child feel very welcome and you know so and it's interesting that like 
I kind of had that thought too while we were talking with her of like there are so many stereotypically feminine traits that like are that are downsides and I like realized that I'm like holy cow like all the stereotypical like um, successful person they're all male Mm -hmm. dominant you know Mm -hmm. or what you would associate with masculine traits or masculine energy and it's like why you know what I mean like why why is it that way you know yeah because the men decided the stereotypes yeah (laughs) (laughs) like really that's what it is because yeah like I don't think that there's anything about a female that should be considered a weakness yeah I think that that's just like Mm mm-hmm society messing up because being over emotional that's not even a bad thing like if you look at it the right way then you're able to be more raw and real about how you feel and express it better well even just in my songwriting you know like Mm -hmm. I am so dramatic and I can be really over emotional in especially in my romantic relationships Mm -hmm. and now I am able to like I feel like I'm so much able to tap into certain emotions when I'm writing Mm -hmm. songs because and I embrace and I have to embrace that very that nature in me to be very dramatic and very mm-hmm. over emotional. But yet that's a stereotypically crazy girl thing. Right. Yeah. When I'm like, no, that helps me write better music. And if I'm mm-hmm. not channeling that, the song feels kind of empty. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, I agree. I think there's a lot more like that. And it's more just shifting your mindset yeah exactly yeah because it's like it's not necessarily like women that need to change to be more like men in order Mm -hmm. for everything to be feminist i think the world needs to change its idea of what is successful and what's not yeah well honestly so jordan was like the first person i think to actually say this to me because i kind of would say things to him like oh but like i don't i don't have like the presence that demands a room or i'm very cutesy and i'm very like a people person and this and this and he's like Sadie why are you like so ashamed that you're feminine Mm -hmm. and I was like whole like he (laughs) totally like called me out and he's like Mm -hmm. you have it in your brain that because you're these feminine things that that's gonna stop you from being successful and why and I was like oh my gosh you're right and that was the first time I like ever like really realized that like Mm -hmm. wow I am enabling my feminine qualities quote-unquote to be weaknesses Mm -hmm. when like no you know yeah even if there's other people in the room that perceive them like I like how she talked about like she just decided no I'm a producer and once she owned that title suddenly Mm -hmm. she was able to like you know yeah do it I don't know no definitely like I kind of going back to what you said about like why are you so ashamed to be feminine mm-hmm. I've noticed a lot of the times in graphic design critiques in school mm. that the professors will use feminine words as negative traits in people's designs Ooh. they'll be like oh it's a little bit too cute it's a little bit too mm-hmm. girly or cutesy or something like that and then a lot of the times they'll use male traits as strengths. Like, oh, it's very bold and yeah, and like all these things. And I remember commenting on it to a friend where I went, okay, but if we even go back to traditional gender norms, who is the one consuming the most? Like who's the mm-hmm. one shopping in the store? Who's setting all of the medical appointments for 
their family. Yeah. Like who is the main consumers that we are like appealing to anyway? Isn't it women? Yeah. <laughs> so if that's the case, like what's the problem with having branding be a little bit more on the feminine side? Wouldn't that just be strategic towards yeah. like the main consumers? <laughs> but I think it's like also goes back to like if something's stereotypically feminine, it's not taken as much. It's not taken seriously mm-hmm. as much if if it's yeah. Because something that I feel like I struggled with, like even with a gig I did recently afterwards, Jordan was just like, you are the best. Like this was like months ago. Like this wasn't Mm -hmm. anything recent. But he was like, and I feel like you were not getting as much praise. Like he was like, what the heck? And I was like, yeah, Jordan, it's just because I'm cute. Like it's just, it's my energy. And there's a part of him who's like, well, you need to like fix that. But then he was like, wait, no, like that's who you are. And I Mm -hmm. love that about you. And they're the idiots then. And I'm like, thank mm-hmm. you. You're yeah. right. <laughs> they yeah. are the idiots who are not recognizing that just because I'm cute doesn't mean I'm also very serious about my craft. <laughs> no, definitely. I think you can be all of the above. Yeah. I and can there's be cute like, and serious. <laughs> yeah. And there's a market for everyone. Like this totally. is nothing against more masculine females. I think that that oh, yeah. still has a complete place. And obviously we are talking very stereotypically yeah. feminine and masculine <laughs> traits right now. We're being very, <laughs> what's the word? Like we're just being very traditional over here, but <laughs> they, there are still traits that are stereotypically associated with the masculine mm-hmm. and feminine energies. So yeah, and they get brought up a lot in visual design too. Like if you mm-hmm. were to create something more visually feminine, feminine or masculine, it would be two very different things based on ter- stereotypes. Still, so yeah, exactly. Until we get to a point where we don't have that, which I honestly don't see ever happening. Yeah. And that's not like an unoptimistic view. I just think that that's it's society yeah. <laughs> and that's where we're at. Then <laughs> I, yeah, I think this will always be part of the conversation. Yeah, I agree. That spurred a cool little discussion. I know. I feel like that conversation was just, uh, that just shows how much of this is just us genuinely talking because yeah. we were just talking and then I was like, wait a minute, I'm keeping this in the podcast probably because yeah. this is right on brand. I was going to say that. I'd be like, we just started a conversation after we finished the interview with her. Didn't even say, oh, okay, now let's record the ending. We yeah. just started talking. Well, there is one other topic I wanted to bring up. Yeah. Did you, this is kind of amuse news. Have you heard Olivia Rodrigo's driver's license? Yeah, song? I think that's a very good song. <laughs> yeah, it is a good song. But have you heard the drama behind? Yeah, that, so have you, have you watched High School the Musical, the musical, the series or whatever it is? Like three episodes. It's yeah. so cute. <laughs> it was cute. I just, I think I couldn't handle it because it was supposed to be set in Utah. Oh, yeah. And it was, like, the farthest from what Utah is. (laughs) But I was just like, okay. But I remember I liked it for the few episodes I did see. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. But I thought that was such a crazy story that, for those who don't know, like, her, she was dating the guy from like her co-host no yeah. not co-host that's us um her co-host. co-star yeah. <laughs> her love interest was yeah. it the guy who played I'm yeah i'm sure it was like the guy who played troy yes well quote unquote troy yeah like troy in his musical in in the, the show tv show 
It's yes. very confusing. <laughs> and then she was kind of like the Gabriella yes. Gabriella figure. And then um, they broke up and he's like dating Sabrina Carpenter. That's I what think. I heard. Yeah. And then she like wrote about it in the song, like the blonde girl and like references the whole thing. It's a very good song. It is. And it's gaining a lot of traction. I think it didn't like Taylor Swift comment on yeah, she said, that's my baby, and I'm really proud, yeah. or something cute like that. Um, I'm pretty sure that yesterday, it was, like, the most played song on Spotify in the U.S. Yeah. Like, Driver's crazy. License is the number one song in the world right now. Top 100 global on Apple Music, and then global top 50. It was number one. That's insane. Yeah. Good for her. I know, seriously. So if you haven't heard it, then go. It's really well done. Like It is. I was kind of surprised because sometimes when a new artist. star yeah. artist comes onto the scene, it's a little bit rough. Mm-hmm. And I mean that in the kindest way. But sometimes you get kind of more of a Rebecca Black Friday vibe. Yeah. I'm like, oh, this is their first time. <laughs> yeah. But no, I think she really like killed it with that one. It was really, really good. Yeah, I loved it, too. Mm-hmm. I think it's cool to see. We're going to go back to Taylor Swift fans over here. But like, <laughs> like I feel like this this next generation of stars are going to be you're going to see very obvious Taylor Swift influences. Like you're mm-hmm. going to start seeing what Taylor Swift did for all of us as children. You know what oh, I mean? Oh, yeah. No, it's definitely going to bleed through. It's already happening, but yeah. I think it's going to be so even more now in the next like, we're going to see the effects of Taylor Swift. Oh, yeah. And you can tell already, like, how much of an influence she was on Olivia. Like, mm-hmm. the fact that she was able to write such an obvious song about her ex. Yeah. <laughs> Which usually people are so, I think a lot of people try to stay away from. But the fact that she was able to do that is definitely inspired by Taylor Swift and how she, like, Dear yeah. John. And it's literally about John Mayer. Literally. <laughs> like, <laughs> She like, did it yeah. first. Not first, mm-hmm. but she normalized And that's like it. how obvious this song kind of is about who it's about. Everyone knows. And yet that's not hurting the song at all. It's like helping it in a way. <laughs> no, it is. But yeah, I thought that was really cool. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, mm-hmm. As per usual, check us out on social media. We have our Instagram, morethanamuse.podcast. You can also find us on TikTok. Um, we have a Patreon have you can join. Patreon. If you enjoyed the episode, definitely we encourage you to share it. Um, if you feel like there's anyone who could benefit from listening, we'd love to, I don't know, talk to people. The more people we yeah. get to talk to every week, the better. <laughs> of course. And always like feel free to promote yourself or someone that you follow that you think mm-hmm. would be a great topic or spotlight or anything else like we're always looking for more people and more things to introduce to the podcast definitely yeah dm us let us know we love taking any and all suggestions yeah okay well thank you for listening (laughs) see you next monday Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 